across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. You have caught us, ladies and gentlemen, right in the midst of a cabinet reshuffle. We've said to you many times before, uh, as soon as this show starts, news tends to break. Boris Johnson uh, got the job of Prime Minister, I think, uh, during this show. Theresa May resigned during this show. Uh, an election was called during this show. Uh, the election was declared a winner, of course, during my overnight election show. Uh, and so this is the place to be to find out where everything is going on. Esther McVeigh has just been sacked as Housing Minister. Uh, Julian Smith has been sacked as the uh, Northern Ireland Minister, despite the fact that he brought Northern Ireland back to work for the first time in three years in Stormont. I'm going to be asking a big question this morning, not so much about Boris Johnson's cabinet, not so much about his leadership skills, but really about whether he's actually lost the plot altogether. Because first of all, uh, we've got him on several counts. The first count, he's decided it's a great idea to spend £100 billion of taxpayers' money on HS2, something which the large bulk of the populace of this country seem to think is a pretty pointless idea. Secondly, he's talking about tax people some more, particularly those people who elected him and got him into power with an 80-seat majority. He's also talking about, for some reason, doing away with petrol and diesel cars all the way up to uh, just 12 years from now, which means that if you're in the, in the process of possibly buying a new car, you might be thinking, I have to get an electric one. Now, for some reason, he can't remember who supplied him with a £15,000 holiday villa in Mustique. I don't really care that he goes to Mustique for a holiday. I don't really care that he takes his girlfriend uh, on the public purse to Mustique on a holiday. What I do care about is he doesn't seem to know who paid for it, for heaven's sake. Surely if somebody gives you a free holiday home in Mustique, you know who it was. He said it was David Ross. He said it was the guy that started Carphone Warehouse. David Ross says it wasn't actually him. So what is going on? What on earth is happening to Boris Johnson? Has he been replaced by an idiot? 0344 499 1000 is the number. Uh, we shall see, but we'll be taking your calls on it. We'll be talking to Benedict Spence about it uh, in the first instance as well. Charlotte Ivers is keeping an eye on all the things that are happening around the reshuffle as well. And, of course, we'll be talking about a great many other things too. We'll be asking the question that Ben Bradley wants answered. Why is it so taboo to talk about white working-class boys and how they can't get on in this nation of ours because, for some reason, they are discriminated against against and we'll also bring the latest on the coronavirus as well 0344 499 1000 is the number you're listening to me mike graham and watching me live on youtube right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet it is of course talk radio mid-morning with mike graham talk radio so there's an awful lot of news on the front pages this morning and we're going to be talking about an awful lot of it, including, of course, the cost of Big Ben, which seems to have uh, skyrocketed up by £18 million. Pounds. I don't know who's running the things that are being done in this country, but they don't seem to know what on earth they are doing. But let's talk to Benedict Spence, uh, who is, of course, freelance journalist, a man who appears regularly on the uh, Julie Hartley Brewer Breakfast Show and a man who is a keen observer of politicians. Let us see what he makes of what Boris Johnson's been up to. Benedict, a very good morning to you. Good morning, how are you? I'm very well indeed. Now, I don't wish to be branded unfair and I don't wish to be unfair to Boris Johnson, but it does appear uh, on sort of first glance at the moment that he's not getting very much right. I think that's a fair assessment. I, I find it ironic that all the Remainers always used to say that the second we left the European Union, everything would go very badly wrong. Yeah. Well, as far as they're concerned, things are perversely going quite well. <laughs> who is going ahead. But for the rest of us, actually, they were right. It isn't quite going to plan. Um, but certainly Boris Johnson is, um, he's not going about 
things the way I think a lot of his supporters would have hoped or would have expected. But in many ways, that's quite understandable because he does find himself with this great big ACC majority and under no pressure, really, for the next five years. And with the Labour Party still in disarray, ultimately, I suppose you have to ask the question, well, what's to stop him from doing basically whatever he wants, even if that ends up alienating the majority of his own base. Well, that's the problem, though, because if he is going to do whatever he wants, one would have hoped that one of the things he would not have done was go forward with HS2, a massive uh, public spending project which may have no end at all in sight as far as our lifetimes are concerned, and secondly, to start threatening people with more taxes, and thirdly, um, to start banning um, cars which he thinks are going to kill off the planet. It's almost as if the Conservative Party doesn't necessarily represent the people who vote for it. Yes. I mean, this, this is the thing, though, of course, that... Uh, before Peter Hitchens started talking about marijuana, this was his big thing as well, saying that actually the issue isn't just Europe. What we need to change is the Conservative Party. Yes. The Conservative Party exists to get its own people into power, and that's about the sum of it. Right. And I think having been the only credible party at the general election to offer the nation what it was asking for, Brexit, well, we're now found, we've now found ourselves stuck with that very same party that, as, as far as we can tell, hasn't really changed its stripes. And that is the problem going forward. That it will be the next great obstacle. And of course, it was always going to be the next great obstacle because what was Brexit if not a vote against the established way of doing things, the established sort of patrician way of looking down at people, obviously against Brussels and Europe, but also against the Westminster establishment. And ultimately, what better embodiment is there of that than the Conservative Party? Well, quite. And that's the other thing that we seem to have lost uh, lost the, the, the thread of, which was that Dominic Cummings was going to move on from Brexit rather than leaving the party and leaving Downing Street. He was going to stay on and start mm. reforming the civil service. That appears to have gone out the window as well. Well, absolutely. I mean, it, surely not that a man who says he's going to come in and absolutely change the entire system Surely, no, they're not going to try to push him out. But absolutely, that's what's happening, is that there are moves afoot to try to marginalise and isolate him. I mean, certainly from uh, the Chancellor, Sajid Javid, but amongst most of Whitehall, supposedly lots of his own supporters are saying that he's lost the plot. But I think the real, the real issue there is, if you're a member of the Tory party and you're taking the line, oh, that Cummings, you know, he's going too far, he's being too bullying, he's being this, that and the other. Ultimately, the Conservative Party bought into his vision. He's not an elected politician, but he is the person who essentially ran this whole idea of Boris Johnson becoming prime minister and on what platform he was going to stand on, what it was he was going to offer people. He didn't actually run the campaign itself, but it is very much his ideological project. And it is that that got them elected. To just abandon it now, that you know, the second that they've got in, it strikes me as a very interesting strategy, especially seeing as Boris Johnson himself said of these former Labour seats, these former Red Wall seats, we haven't won them, we've borrowed them from the Labour Party. Mm. Well, you're not going to convince those people that the Tory party really has changed if, having won them, you then revert back to type. You know, if anything, that's going to destroy trust far quicker than it took uh, for trust to break down with the Labour Party. And I think the thing is that they need to remember is, whether you like him or not, Dominic Cummings has been on the right side of all of the key issues in this, in this country over the last 10 years. He has got the public's view on this. He understands the way they think and what they want. To try to shunt him out of the way now to go back to whatever it was 
that the Tory party wanted before, the, you know, as far as they're concerned, the nightmare of Brexit mm. started, it would be a very foolish thing, I think. And I think it looks as though all of the policies thus far promoted by the Boris Johnson government have been very much those stuck in the middle lane of middle class kind of, you know, cosy home counties life, you know, like HS2, uh, like electric cars, uh, like mansion taxes, you know, these are all mm. for people uh, who don't have regular jobs and who are not working uh, up against the coalface every single day and just trying to get by. I mean, the way I'd describe it is probably a bit new labour, a bit yeah. there, right? They're yeah. just trying to occupy the centre ground. And for a time, that's all well and good. But not everybody gravitates towards the centre. The majorities are either side of the centre. As you say, these policies don't actually really help sort of working class communities uh, in the north. They don't particularly help people who want to see a little bit more responsibility or a little bit more democratic accountability from their own government. And ultimately, as we saw with New Labour, there is hell to pay down the line when the project doesn't quite work out, when mm. people have had enough on both sides of being marginalised. Now, I suppose the way Boris Johnson would look at that is it's a sort of a divide and conquer strategy. Right now, the Labour Party are unelectable. And even, even if they get uh, Keir Starmer as their leader... Ultimately, he's not going to be a prime minister. Yeah, he, he may well pave the ground for a, for a future leader, but they are right now they are completely unelectable. And on the right, with the, the collapse of the Brexit party, there is no opposition to them on the right. But what I would say is that's not to say that it might not spring up again in the future, as we saw with mm. UKIP and the Brexit party itself. When the Tories vacate that vacuum of their core heartland voters... There are always people who are prepared to step into that vacuum. And we've seen, especially with the Brexit Party, how quickly that can take root and spread and how dangerous that is. So that is the big fear. That, I, that That's the warning that I would certainly give to the government at this point going forward. Yes, you've got five, five years of relative security, but it only takes a couple of months for something to really start and for dis disaffection to really spread. Absolutely right. And all of the people from the Brexit party who were elected to Brussels uh, on a massive mandate have said that they will be watching Boris and they will be holding his feet to the fire if, in fact, he doesn't do what he promised to do and if he doesn't deliver on, on the Brexit that they want uh, and on whatever it is that, uh, that he can reach a deal with the European Union on because that's also still very much up for grabs. And only yesterday, I believe, the EU uh, sort of put forward their own particular position... Uh, uh, which is incredibly uh, similar to their position that they gave to Theresa May. Well, there's a slight asterisk there. All of them, apart from the four that walked out just before the election. Yeah. But, um, certainly, I think Brexit, I mean, a lot of people are sort of, I think a lot of people are almost taking the, the view that Brexit is slightly done because we've got into this hangover phase now where before the next uh, stage of negotiations commences. I think a lot of people have forgotten that, you know, that is going to come back onto the agenda with a vengeance. But it's not just going to be Brexit that's, I think, a cultural issue for this country going forward. As you've already touched upon, it's going to be green issues. It's going to be the complete uprooting of the infrastructure of this country, of the economy of this country, in order to meet certain uh, climate-friendly or whatever it is we refer to them now, target. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, the funny thing is about the British people, actually, it's not that they are, you know, massive industrialists who just want to pollute us all out of existence. We like the idea of a green and pleasant land that is protected, that is well maintained. But actually, what we don't like is having our lives uprooted for some far off goal mm. that as far as we can see has no have no benefits. Because if you're the average member of the public, and you're looking and you're seeing 
flooding in Yorkshire because rivers aren't dredged. Not yeah. because of climate change, but because actually the land isn't taken care of. You're seeing things like HS2, which, whatever its benefits, is going to bulldoze areas of natural beauty and cost the taxpayer a fortune. And you say, well, we're talking an awful lot about the climate, but what about the land in which we have to live, yes. which isn't taken care of properly? And I think that's the disconnect. The Tories are right. People care about the environment but they care about slightly different things than the government seem to care about. Well, as ever, as ever, you're absolutely right, Benedict. People in this country are reasonable people. Generally speaking, they're fair-minded. Uh, they want to see uh, everybody getting a fair crack of the whip. They want to see a fair amount of equality. But what they don't want to see uh, is another government which basically rides roughshod over everything that they think is good and decides to tell them uh, something completely different. And the narrative changes to what Westminster thinks is good for everybody else. And I would have hoped that Boris Johnson knew that, but it would appear that he does not. Well, as you're completely right, as you say, you know, especially in the last few years, what have all the key votes in this country been about? They've been about democratic accountability and sovereignty. So for the government to say, OK, well, we're going to give you that. Uh, but before we do give you any of that, we're just going to make a few more changes that none of you really seem to want. None of you are voting for. And you're going to be painful for the rest of your natural life. You know, that, that's a it, it's a brave move. Um, I don't. I don't see how it's going to pay off in the long term because, as I said, I keep mentioning there's this five-year gap where they believe they've got you know, essentially a free run of the whole country, but things do not stay that way in perpetuity. Just because some people believe that there's going to be a sort of a 10-year Boris Johnson uh, administration doesn't mean that that cannot flip on a knife edge if they continue down this route. Absolutely right. And uh, We're just seeing now that Theresa Villiers has now been sacked as Environment Secretary. We've seen McVeigh go, Smith and Ledsom as well. Some people already say there's a bit of a cull of Brexiteers going on. Now, even if that's not true, um, and even if it's because of a very good reason he's firing all these people, not just, you know, petty symbolism, um, you start to ask the question, who is running uh, the, the, the ship? Who's in charge of the clattering train? Well, true. And it's not even just that they're Brexiteers that are going. I mean, Julian Smith, uh, his position on Brexit is, is not that closely aligned to the others. But actually what he represented was competency. Yeah. You know, he managed to, in a very short amount of time, get Stormont up and running. He was very well respected by both sides in Northern Ireland. And what is his reward for that? To be sacked to the next reshuffle. And I think that actually tells you equally worrying things about this government. It's not just that it's going to purge itself of ideological Brexiteers in the cabinet. It's also going to get rid of people who are particularly adept at their jobs, mm. uh, for whom we do not yet know. But I think the argument that we heard about uh, earlier in the week about between Carrie Simmons, the Prime Minister's girlfriend, and Dominic Cummings over who gets sacked and who doesn't, I think that reveals a slightly worrying thing about the government, that you have got people essentially playing favourites. You know, that, that is actually, you know, we've still got this old system of patronage yeah. when it comes to the Conservative Party, not about ability or where you stand or even popularity you know, amongst members of the public. Because I don't think uh, most of these members who, are being, who have been sacked, especially Andrew Libson, have become quite big figures. They've garnered quite a bit of popularity and they are well respected for the jobs they've done. And it seems to me that that almost doesn't matter now. We're going back to a, the old system of who's the biggest toady, that person gets the job. And again, it's, a just, it's another black mark against their name. It is exactly right. And just one final question. This mis miserable sort of dilemma and riddle over what happened at uh, New Year and Christmas and the house in Mustique. How on earth is it possible that you claim that somebody paid for it who then denies it? Oh, I mean, that's just incompetence. But ultimately, <laughs> we, we've come to expect the bumbles and gaps from this prime minister, you know, he it acts like a suit of armour. There are quite so many that no one grows to be big enough to take him down. 
And I think ultimately, and this will all blow over this whole mystique thing. It won't harm him in any way. But it's a ridiculous error to make, isn't it? Well, exactly. It's it's just another thing that makes you sit there and roll your eyes and go, honestly, couldn't somebody have have just made sure before this very embarrassing episode, you know, was written down in the in the list of members' interests? And, And exactly as you introduced the show by saying, you know, has he slightly lost the plot? Well. If he doesn't actually know who's paying for his own holiday or <laughs> he doesn't even have a member of staff who right. wrote it down, he is the prime minister. Well, that's not a great indictment of how well his office is being run, let alone his person. Exactly right. Thank you, Benedict Spence, who is, of course, a man after my own heart. He also believes that Boris Johnson is in danger here of not only losing the plot, but losing a lot of support in the country, which wanted him to come in because he was going to be a no-nonsense prime minister. Well, at the moment, it's not so much no-nonsense as just nonsense. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, there has been an entire new force of Tory MPs. We had one of them uh, in the studios here this week, uh, Matt Vickers, because uh, loads of seats in the north of England have now voted Tory uh, from the original Labour heartlands. And many people in that part of the world voted for the Tory party because they're sick to death of being told by Labour that they were on their side when, in fact, the Labour party was not on the side of the white working classes of this country. And white working class boys in almost all areas, whether it be schools, whether it be the workplace, whether it be higher education, uh, and whether it even uh, be the unemployment queue, are discriminated against. Let's talk uh, to Fraser Myers to see why Tory MP Bren Bradley has raised this as an issue. Fraser, very good uh, morning to you. Welcome. Good morning. Thanks very much for joining us. I mean, he's right about this, isn't he, Ben Bradley? He, he is right about this. Um, it's certainly in education, the problem of uh, white working-class boys falling behind has been known for well over a decade. There was a government study that came out showing this in, in 2008. Um, and, and in fact, if you, if you go back to 2004, that's when you see um, black girls starting to overtake white boys in education, and in terms of gender, you know, more girls have been going to university than boys. Uh, this is not a recent phenomenon. That's been going on since the 1990s. So, um, yeah, clearly there has been an, an imbalance and it's not something that most um, MPs uh, want to talk about. No. Instead, we rather get the sort of the media, uh, what can only be described as tidal wave of the woke generation, talking about white privilege, assuming that everybody white has exactly the same experience in life in this country, which is clearly not true. Well, clearly, I think, I think the problem is that what, what has happened is that the political class has become obsessed with issues of race and gender, and they've completely ignored the class issue. So, you know, while it is true that um, 
you know, lots of um, black students and, you know, female students might be falling behind. A lot of the time that is related to their class. Class is the most, you know, important issue in society in many ways. Um, and But it's something that the establishment don't want to talk about. You know, people who are born to wealthy parents will grow up to get top jobs. And people with working class parents tend to grow up to get kind of working class jobs. Mm. And that, you know, is not really affected by the gender or race of, of, of who you are. Class is, you know, the number one issue in society that needs to be dealt with. But, you know, people like certainly the Labour Party are far more interested in tackling race and gender issues. Well, do you think that it's something to do with the education system that we have in this country? Because it seems to me that we are now in an age where, <clears throat> excuse me, most of the journalists um, in sort of top journalistic jobs in this country come from private school educations in the same way that an awful lot of MPs come from private school educations, an awful lot of civil servants. You know, the sort of elite that we talk about all the time in this country appear to be more and more likely to have come from um, private school. However, there was a time, and certainly when I was at school, I went to a grammar school, when there were quite a lot of grammar schools and people from relatively modest backgrounds could get relatively good jobs because the, the education system that they went through was better. I think, um, you know, the kind of period you're talking about, um, it, there was, you know, certainly more social mobility, but that was kind of an exceptional period. I don't actually think it has that much to do with um, the education system. I think the problem is that um, is actually the economy and the kind of jobs that are being produced. So we saw, you know, for instance, over the past... Um, 10, 20 years, particularly the Blair years, there's a huge expansion of, of higher education. You know, no bad thing, more people going to university. Um, I, I, I'm not against that at all. But it turned out that on the other side of um, getting a degree, there simply weren't the jobs um, there. Right. So people were getting these um, degrees that were, you know, in a sense, worthless a lot of the time. Or and, and, and that in some ways made the problem even worse for people who don't have a degree, because suddenly jobs where you never needed a degree before now started demanding a degree. Mm. Um, so it's, it's actually, you know, there are, of course, lots of problems with the education system, but, uh, but I don't think that they can take um, the full responsibility for this. We could have amazing education, but if the jobs aren't there on the other side of it, then that's the, that's the real issue. Right. And so what you're saying is, is, it's a, is, it, is it a geographical thing as well? That, the, you know, say the bulk of white working class boys are not living maybe in the southeast of England, which is the very best um, uh, part of the economy in terms of the way it performs, in terms of the way that, that the highest paid jobs are, you know, so is it likely that we've also now got this kind of a geographical divide in the country then? Absolutely. The geographical divide is absolutely key to this. Um, you know, what has, what has changed um, in the last few decades is that um, working class people are living further and further away from um, where the good jobs are, but also where a lot of investment is going. So it's, it's interesting that um, if you look at university figures, for instance, so black students at uni, um, there's around 4% of 18 to 21 year olds in this country are black but around 8% of university students are black. Mm. And that's not because universities favour them in any way, but it's because they tend to live in, you know, more urban areas yeah. where there are better universities. There's more black people in London and there's lots of good universities in London. Whereas if you live in Sunderland, um, recently it's just um, been announced that, you know, lots of their humanities departments are going to close. So, uh, you know, geography is making a huge difference here.
And what about the fact that um, in terms of some of those higher education places, now we're seeing people not going to university on the grounds that they may dis decide that they don't want to go into that much debt. I mean, that could change things, couldn't it? I mean, I wonder whether by going into the workplace a little bit earlier, um, a little bit less um, prepared in, in terms of uh, an educational route, that you just get in and you learn how to do something in the same way that in newspapers years ago it used to be a trade. People used to go in to, university, to newspapers at the age of 16 and they'd work their way up and they'd become reporters and then they'd become editors and they were, you know, pillars of the, of the local community. Nowadays, they have to go to university first and so they're five years later getting into the business um, and they don't know anything. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Um, I think a lot of um, a lot of people come out of university um, not knowing much more than they did when they went in. They learn a lot about <laughs> right. a, they learn a lot about a, a subject, and I, I don't, you know, I don't disparage that. I think education is is important, and I I would defend uh, useless knowledge to the hilt as well as useful knowledge. But um, there has been a kind of rise in apprenticeships. I think I think you're right. You know, people are cottoning on to the fact that. Um, it might just be easier to go straight into the workforce or, you know, you, you have seen even, you know, in the media world, there are definitely more kind of apprenticeship opportunities mm. for, for school leavers than, than there were um, a few years ago. And, I, and I, I think that's no bad thing. No, I think that's true. And I think that the opportunity now for the government to do something, I mean, if Ben Bradley's saying that this is a taboo subject that needs to be talked about, he did say that in the House of Commons, he wants to talk about it, the next stage is surely to do something. And we hear from Boris Johnson's offices um, that they are planning on sort of rewarding the North of England in particular for voting and lending their votes to the Tory party. Uh, but what do you think they can do um, to make life better, if you like, for working-class white kids? Well, I, th I think investment is is key. Investment in you know in education, in infrastructure, in um, the kind of things that are going to bring um, jobs and prosperity to those areas. I think they've been so neglected for a long time. I would I would caution them against worrying too much, um, obsessing about the whiteness or the maleness of um, you know the the kind of people mm. falling behind. I think I think class is is the key issue that has to be that has to be tackled here. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, is that you can't really fix that overnight, can you? They have to no, put things in place to sort of make mobility as good as it used to be because if grammar schools were one of the reasons why social mobility worked, then surely you have to look at whether it's worth bringing those back, don't you? I think they should look at... I think we should be looking at all different kinds of um, schools and there should be lots of experimentation in schools. I think that's why, that's why the free school programme, which, you know, it gets a lot of um, stick... Um, is actually quite good because we don't know actually the best way to educate people. We should try different things. We should try, you know, there should be a whole range of options available for parents. And, uh, yeah, you know, but I think the ideal of the comprehensive school was a very progressive one, but um, in practice it, it didn't raise everyone up. It, it levelled um, education down and that's why it was a bad thing. Yeah, but it didn't raise everyone up because you can't raise everyone up in the end. You know, the fact is, is people are not born equal. Uh, some people uh, will do better than other people at different things. Some people are more academic than others. Some people are more uh, able to work in crafts than others. Some people are, are more likely to be good plumbers than other people who have got absolutely no idea what to do with their hands. You know what I mean? I mean, it's about giving people different opportunities, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and that's certainly something that has been um, neglected, you know, to... Uh, particularly manual crafts and things like that, whereas, um, you know, other countries haven't neglected that. I mean, people complain about um, Polish plumbers or whatever, but the, the reason... I don't. If it no, wasn't, for, don't, the, if it wasn't for the Polish influx of workers, I would never have got my house plastered. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I couldn't find anyone else to do it. Yeah, but the, re but the reason that they're so good at it is because 
you know, their governments for, for decades had a high standard and still do have a really high standard of technical education. You know, it, it's not just that they're um, imported and cheaper. Um, it, it really is to do with, um, you know, how their government has, has responded to this, whereas we've kind of abandoned technical education entirely almost. Yeah, absolutely right. Fraser, thanks very much indeed for taking the time to talk to us. Fraser Myers, columnist at Spiked Online, uh, on the subject matter uh, at hand, which is Ben Bradley MP basically saying something that we all know to be true, which is basically that it's a taboo subject to talk about white working-class boys not having the right opportunities. I wouldn't say it's quite as taboo as it used to be, because we are certainly talking about it, and we've talked about it in the past on this show, and we will continue to talk about it. Um, but also, I think... More than talking about it, something needs to be done. And I think, um, and I don't know whether you would agree with this, but basically the setting up of more grammar schools, I think, would definitely help social mobility. There's a reason why there was more social mobility when we had grammar schools. It was because of grammar schools. The fact that we now don't have them, apart from in a very few select parts of the country, uh, means that actually they are no longer operating as they used to. If we had them in every part of the country, they would go back to raising uh, the social awareness of lots of different social groups and they would um, amazingly help, it, help people to move upwardly and more mo with more mobility into bigger jobs and better jobs and earning more money. It's as simple as that, really. 0344 499 1000 is the number. This is Talk Radio. Frankie, how are you doing? Hello, Mike. How are you, mate? Not you bad. Right? I'm not bad. I'm Mike, suffering a little bit, but, you know. Listen, I have got... I've just come back from Texas, as you know. Right? Yes. Going back, I'm, I'm gone. Go and tell them out there, but them big motors out there, they can't have the old petrol. Forget about the it. They will go mental. Yeah. And I'm, they got gun racks on the back of those. Has, those. He had a drink or, has he had a drink or something, Bojo? What, he wants to stay out in posh cars in the eyes of Parliament. I mean, I don't know what he's thinking, right? He's now just sacked Sajid Javid, who was actually doing a pretty good job as Chancellor, a week before the budget's due. Precisely, but I'm not too bothered about him, to be honest with you. He went a little bit flaky. One or two of them did go a bit flaky, but the fact is, he is, he is going a little bit too brutal. The other way as well, straight after. I mean, his ink ain't even dry yet. I mean, what, is he, has he been doing a Colombian two-step or something? Or what, what's up with him? <laughs> well, apparently, apparently he's only seen that. He's never actually done it, of course. That would be his line. But, I mean, what a ludicrous thing to say. I'll just have it explained to me by my producer, uh, who seems to think he knows more about politics than I do, that Boris Johnson didn't sack Sajid Javid, uh, that he resigned. Well, that's how you get people well, to resign. You, you threaten them by sacking them, and you threaten to sack all the people that work for them, and that way, that's how you sack them. Mike, you know what he wants to be kept with all this reshuffling? He don't get reshuffled himself, but if I was him, I'd go back <laughs> on Tinder or Timber and go and start swiping and elbow carry for whatever's going on. Well, there. listen, I'm not sure that, that that's going to last too long. There's a lot of strain in the old uh, Downing Street house, I would say. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Don't forget there is a podcast going out later on this afternoon. And also, of course, uh, if you missed any of the show, you can watch it back again uh, on YouTube or on Facebook. Uh, you can always repeat uh, the uh, viewing that you missed if you did miss any of it, because we had a pretty good show today. And uh, we haven't finished yet, because we're here till one o'clock. Let's go to the phones. Malcolm uh, is in Oxford. Hello, Malcolm. Hello, Mike. Good afternoon you? to you. Good afternoon, sir. What can I do for you? Well, the thing is, Mike, most of the times, 98% of the times, I'm total agreement with yes. you. Yes. But today, I'm going to have to pull you up, in, as in my opinion. Well, listen, this is a, this is a free uh, independent republic. You're Absolutely. more than welcome to Otherwise, do so. Otherwise, I wouldn't be a member. <laughs> now, what, do, what do you reckon? Mike, what am I getting wrong, then? You've been, you've been dissing, in a, in a way, Boris. Yes. Right? And I have to disagree. Okay. Um, the reason being is Boris is doing what he needs to do. Now, Savage Javid has resigned. Yes. He has, that, was, that was always going to be the case because they don't want 
Savid as the Chancellor. Yeah, but why not, though? He's in a reasonable job, isn't he? Well, the reason is, in my opinion, is that number 10 does not want to be at loggerheads with number 11. Okay. Listen, by the way, I didn't say that sacking him was a bad idea. I'm not actually criticising him for that. No. They didn't sack him. Well, they did sack him. You know how that works. Constructive dismissal. You know how that works. If you want to get rid of somebody, you want to get rid of somebody, you bring them in, you tell them your job title is going to stay the same, but you're going to have to do it in a slightly different way, uh, and we're going to take away all of the people that you work with underneath you. And you know he's going to go, I'm not willing to do that, I'm off. Yeah, but uh, they didn't turn around and say you're going. No, but that's why, but they didn't want to be seen as doing it. I will agree with what you're saying, but... Technically, he was on. No, that's true. But listen, I'm not. But I did not. But I did not say that Boris had done the wrong thing there. It remains to be seen whether it's the right thing to do. No, but I. Just... But I do believe that. But by foraging on and spending a hundred billion plus on HS2 is a mistake. No, well, I disagree. Okay, why? Because it's not just about the infrastructure. This is going to create employment. It's going to create employment throughout the country, as long as they do this right. Any company that's involved in the, uh, the construction of HS2 has to ensure that they bring in apprenticeships yeah. and they train people in all the skills that's required in this country. Yeah. Bricklayers to build the buildings, plumbers, electricians, apprenticeships. Yeah, but we're not, we are not a socialist republic, for heaven's sake, Malcolm. It's what we not, don't need to do... To no, do it is. What we don't need... Republic. right? No, but you don't just create jobs and then go, oh, look, we made full employment. That's what Labour do. Labour no, employ... No, 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 hang no, on, no, let, no, me finish, just, let me finish. Let me finish, Malcolm. Malcolm, let me finish. What, on, you, what you do is you set up the old uh, socialist republic, you set up a load of companies and go, look, we've created a great economy here, and then it turns out you've borrowed a load of money to do it, as the Labour government did with PFI and building hospitals. And then you end up with a slump because suddenly you're creating jobs which aren't actually economically feasible. Yeah, but we weren't, when we set those things up, we weren't employing people that live in this country. We were bringing them in from other no, countries. No, that's not true. We need, to, we need to have these apprenticeships and start training the youngsters of this country for our future. Yeah, but it's point. a false economy, Malcolm, because it's a business which you've created out of nothing with money that you've borrowed. It's not real money. No, I'm, I'm, I can't disagree. Mike, I'm going to have to stand in the independent... Uh, the public in the naughty corner. In the no, 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 <laughs> not the thought. I'm going to stand against you for okay. the presidency. Well, you can't do that. Why not? Because it's a dictatorship. There is no oh. election process. So I'm afraid you can you can you can be welcome in the in the in the republic as a dissident, and you can have a go at me. Absolutely no problem at all. But you can't take it over. Can I? What? Can I? Um, can I actually bring the tanks down your streets and stand there in front of you and say, yeah, well, you this can. is what we want"? Good luck with that. Yeah, you can try. <laughs> You'll be forced to face the, the wrath of the other members yeah. of, of the Republic. Give but listen, Boris a chance. Great call. I'm giving him a chance, but I'm, I'm also going to point out when I think he's doing something wrong. Great call, Malcolm. Thank you. Let's talk to Peter, uh, who's in London. Hi, Peter. Oh, hi, Mike. Thank How you for doing? taking my call. Not at all. Um, yeah, I'm just wondering why everybody's surprised that Boris is doing, uh, uh, Boris is doing what he's doing, because it's exactly the same as uh, what he did when he was mayor. He was a pretty good um, mayor, though, in London. He did some good things. Well, he won. He won. A, he won a red city and turned it blue twice. Yes. And, uh, and I think that's this is what Labour's got to be really careful of. But mm. uh, actually, he, he managed to turn turns the red wall blue and manages to keep it blue for for the duration. Exactly right. And I, th- and I think, I mean, notwithstanding the Garden Bridge project, I actually did think that the uh, the Boris Island project was a good idea and we would have been a lot better off if we had built uh, another airport there rather than putting another runway into Heathrow. 
Well, as a, as a London taxi driver, I'd prefer the runway to be at, at Heathrow. To be honest with you, thanks very much. Really? Uh, well, so you want to you want to have even more congestion coming in from West London? Well, no. I mean, well, there's a lot of reasons why there's congestion. Not 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 because of taxis coming in and out of Heathrow. I'm not blaming taxis, but I'm saying if you if you have more people arriving at Heathrow Airport, more taxis, more trade, more buses, more numbers of of, of individuals, you're going to have even more congestion on you. But you've but yeah, but you've also got Crossrail going there, which is going to take an awful lot of people there. You've got other other. No, you're not Crossrail. You know what? You know that they call Heathrow Express Crossrail. It's basically Heathrow Express. It's not going to be any different. No, Crossrail is going to be coming from uh, the east side, east side of London, right? No, through, but right you talk to, to right yeah, but if, to, but Cross, and, and, yeah, but hang on, beyond Mike, Peter Cross, Mike. yeah, but Crossrail is is and now it's, and it's going to connect with HS2. Oh yeah, what in 2040? You'll you still be well, driving a cab then, will you? Well, you got to you got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere, but let's be realistic. The point is, Peter, Boris was a good mayor of London. He'll probably be a good prime minister. All I'm saying is that I don't think he's doing some of the right things he should be doing. No, I I, I agree with that, and some of the, some of the stuff that he did in London, I don't agree with either. Yeah. Yeah. Know, he introduced, he introduced uh, you know, he decreed that all taxis should be electric without actually a vehicle being ready to go. Right. They had to get they had to go and get one. Have you had to go and get one? Not yet, not yet, but probably will uh, at some point. What's the what, what's the cut-off date? Um, for my vehicle, I've, well, in theory, I've got another eight years left on this vehicle. Where are we going? That could be cut, cut at any time, hmm. uh, either by the government or the current mayor. So, yeah. uh, so who knows? Well, he's but better than the current mayor, surely. Um, not particularly sure about that. Really? Really? Well, yeah, well, he's I made he's made it he's made top of the list on plank of the week this week. Has he really? What for? Sadiq Khan. Well, for um, a great many things, but he was mostly nominated for uh, his backing of this poster campaign, which has got a lot of people wearing no clothes at all, uh, with very nice brown skin. But he, but he, but he banned a previous, but he banned a previous poster of a white girl in a bikini. Yeah, unfortunately, politicians sometimes do silly things, don't they? They do, I'm afraid. But listen, Peter, thanks for your call. Uh, We'll keep an eye on uh, Boris and make sure he does what he's supposed to do. Dave uh, is in Bristol. Hello, Dave. Hi, Mike. How you doing? Uh, not so bad. Not Good. So bad. I hope you're feeling better. Um, the thing I wanted to say was I kind of get it, the uh, thing that uh, Boris is doing with number 10. When you look back at what Philip Hammond was up to yeah. when Theresa May was in power, because there were the, the, he seemed to be throwing sort of spanners in the works, you know, all the time. Sure. So I kind of get it in a way. But um, on the other hand, I do agree that some of Boris's things at the moment are what he's planning to do. The only people that don't seem to be uh, being listened to are the sort of the electorate that put him in there. He seems to be listening to a lot of extremist groups and pressure groups. Um, and there doesn't seem to be any way that the electorate can actually hold him to account except in five years' time when the damage is done. So surely if you, if you start a new job, you're on probation for a year, and then at the end of that year, <clears throat> you're, you're expected to review your performance. Yes. You know, but I mean, but we don't do that with governments, do we? We just let them in and off they go. I think that's true, and I think also there is a sort of change in the way that uh, that Boris runs the government in a, in a way that pre- Theresa May didn't do. I think Theresa May was a bit more collegiate and wanted more people yeah. to have their say, whereas I suspect Boris and Dominic Cummings don't want anybody to argue with them. No, no, and they don't want anybody sort of uh, 
going against them in a way. So I, I, so I kind of get it why yeah. you're doing that. But yeah. Well, like I say, I mean, I, I, I'm not in any way saying that getting rid of Sajid Javid is the wrong thing to do. But Dave, listen, we've got to run because we're out of time. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, we shall see whether it turns out that the budget which is now delivered. I mean, the, the other thing that this does, I suppose, is it means that Boris Johnson has to stand by and watch the budget being delivered and claim total ownership of it. He can't say, oh, the Chancellor decided to do this and I didn't really agree, but I thought I'd let him do it anyway. He now has to own the entire budget, which goes out next week, uh, under the guise uh, of the new Chancellor, who's only just got the job. So he's going to be a busy boy over the course of the next week. Coming up next, uh, it's Matthew Wright. We'll be back at 10 tomorrow. This is Talk Radio. Talk Radio. Across the UK. Online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.